Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzer, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. Today, I'll be joined by Amanda Bond, and we're going to talk about Facebook ads in uncertain times, what you need to know, what you need to do with your ads. I think you're absolutely going to find it fascinating. By the way, if you want to reach me, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for today's interview with Amanda Bond. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Amanda Bond. If you don't know who Bond is, she's a Facebook ads expert. Her course is called The Strategy System, and I'm very excited to welcome you back. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Mike? Well, it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty awesome operating from the home office, which is becoming the norm for me. So I'm hopeful that kids aren't going to come screaming by while we're <laughs> recording today. Today, you and I are going to explore how to revisit our Facebook ad strategy, especially given how uncertain these times are. Now, we're recording this in mid-April, and this is going to be coming out about a month after the recording, but there's no reason to believe that what we're going to be talking about today isn't going to be valuable because whether or not this pandemic and all the crazy stuff that's been going on is or is not resolved in the last 30 days, there's always going to be uncertain times that are going to force us to kind of re-explore our advertising. But I think what we'll start today, Bond, is, you know, given the fact that 
there has been kind of this global slowdown of business for most industries. What have you noticed with your students? What have you noticed on the ad platforms in particular seems to have changed since this whole pandemic started? Yeah, great question. And there's a lot of things that have changed, but I first want to just preface and say that I come to this moment in time with extreme optimism. There's a lot of changes happening in the Facebook ad world. For example, like the CPMs, the cost to deliver a thousand ad impressions have dropped drastically because a lot of larger advertisers are taking their budgets off of the platform or pulling back on their advertising spend. Hmm. So we're seeing some crazy things. However, However, a lot of evolution comes out of times like this. When things do change for better or for worse, innovation happens, new ideas and opportunities shine through. So throughout this interview, you're going to notice that I actually look at this like a blessing in disguise, even though all these crazy things are happening with Facebook ads. So What is happening? What am I seeing behind the scenes? Like I said, the CPMs are going down. So that means it's cheaper to go out and serve up an individual ad impression to your audience. More people on Facebook, right? They're home with their devices. Their consumption of the platform is going up. And less advertising dollars on the platform means they don't have enough inventory to serve up to that increased demand. And that's why those ad costs are going down. Let's pause real quick just so we can wrap our head around this before we get to the example. So there's a lot more opportunity to serve up ads is what you're saying. But the problem is there aren't enough advertisers to fill the inventory space. So the supply is huge, but the number of advertisers is small. Is that what you're saying? Technically, like from the macro view, yes. What it's going to look like to us as consumers is the exact same amount of ads. But for the advertisers, it's going to be cheaper for us to serve up more impressions. And the example I was going to give is the CPMs that I was paying on one specific ad before were about $50 to $60 for every thousand impressions. During this time, we're seeing anywhere between $10 to $14. So in some cases, a five times reduction in the cost to get those eyeballs. So that's major. That's probably the biggest thing to uh, take note of right now. So do you think it's because the larger companies like the automotive companies are obviously like, you know, Ford and all these guys that make cars, right? No one's buying cars right now because no one's driving. So uh, these big companies that took up a huge amount of available inventory are no longer necessarily advertising. And as a result, some of the smaller advertisers, the ones that don't have the budget, now their ads are being shown. Is that kind of what you think is going on? Yeah, well, what's happening is a lot of businesses are being mandated to shut down during this time. So if your doors aren't open, if you're a brick and mortar business that doesn't collect emails or transact with people online, there's actually no need for you to be advertising through this. In a lot of people's minds, you could always make the case for, hey, but it's cheaper advertising, which means you could hype people up and get them ready to transact with you once the situation changes. But if we're seeing people saying, hey, my doors aren't even open right now, so why am I going to be spending money? 
they're going to stop that spend. And it's them stopping that spend on mass, not just one advertiser, just not just one business owner, but the entire economy at the macroeconomic level making those decisions. That's why the ad costs are going down right now. All right. So what I would like to ask next is, and this is not the first time that there's been a crisis since we've been running Facebook ads and it won't be the last time, right? There's always going to be local, regional, national, global, Absolutely. right? And the first thing that I want to ask you is when something dramatic happens, either because it's happening to our audience or because it's happening to our company, what should we do first? What are some of the first things we should do when it comes to our Facebook ads? Great question. This I feel like is more of a personal perspective. So everyone who's listening, you have to check in with your own self, your own intuition and say, how am I going to approach the situation? Let's look at a smaller example where the impact's not quite as large. I mean, still large. Let's take Kobe Bryant's death recently, for example. That is a change in a lot of people's behavior, experience. There's a collective mourning. There is a lot of emotions going on around that time. I actually saw a Facebook or an Instagram post, it was, about somebody saying, how could advertisers not acknowledge this giant elephant in the room? Hmm. But like you said, Mike, there's always things going on in this global platform that we have access to on Facebook. So to say, okay, how do we identify each and every situation and tailor our message accordingly? Sometimes you just have to say, my business is not me. My business is a separate entity. And here are my values and beliefs around that. And then we have situations like we're in now, which is a world pandemic. It is spread across the globe and people are really being affected. Their livelihoods are being affected, their mental health and well-being. There's a collective sense of trauma upbringing happening right now. And so when we look at that as advertisers, when the collective is being impacted by something, then we have to say, okay, is it time now to change our messaging across the board? Because the way that I look at it, if people are struggling to have their basic needs met, like if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where it's food and water and shelter first, if those basic needs aren't being met right now, people aren't going to be transacting for self-actualization with online courses and expanding their knowledge if those lower level needs aren't being met. So what that means for advertisers is simply changing your messaging to be less freedom driven, be less luxury, be less frivolous, and just be more sensitive to what the collective is going through and identifying how your products or services help people to overcome the challenges that we have. Now, 
there's a lot of like fear-based scarcity tactics that we see in the digital world. So just from the bottom of my heart, please don't default to those mechanisms. Like please don't add in deadline timers and scarcity for the sake of scarcity, because there's already a lot of that going on. So the way that I look at it is have a really abundant mindset, the best that you can, and change your messaging to help people realize how you can help them get those basic needs met first and then focus on some of the higher levels in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I love that. What we did was we stopped all of our ads and our launch uh, sequence that we were right in the middle of when this whole thing went down. Boy, in the early, early stages, because it was so obvious to us that our customers were more concerned about you know, where they're going to get bread and toilet paper and all these other things, right? Like you said, it was like they were focused on their immediate needs in front of them, how they're going to handle their kids being at home instead of at school and all these crazy things. But, you know, a lot of people just left their ads running. So, you know, what about that? I mean, like at a certain point, should we like stop and assess? What do you think? I mean, I saw a conversation the other day and somebody was mocking advertiser saying, well, there is a lot going on in the world right now. Nobody needs to see your ads for a t-shirt tie-dye business. And I got me thinking, well, if you do have ads running for selling tie-dye t-shirts and you have a return on your ad spend, so every dollar you're putting in, it is making more profitably, isn't that actually helping our economy in the grand scheme of things? Like, like I said, it is a very personal check in with your own intuition, but we also shouldn't be projecting onto other people the shoulds and coulds. It's like, go with your gut. I, a Facebook advertiser, you know, I'm a, I'm a Facebook strategist. I know this platform in and out. I ran ads. I tweaked the messaging. I changed it to be compassionate with what's going on. And then all of a sudden I was like, ugh. I don't know if I want to run ads right now. And it was just a personal opinion. It does not reflect on anyone else running ads right now. And what I chose to do personally was just turn inward and check in with a lot of our members. I really wanted to be of service in this time and not saying that you aren't of service by advertising because, I mean, products and services create transformation in people's lives. So that is being of service. But for me, it was just, okay, we're going to slowly pause the ads we're going to turn this off. I'm going to go inward, which is what I needed as a human being. I'm going to check on all of our members. I'm going to see what they're doing and support them running ads because their success is going to collectively be my success at the end of the day when I can look back and know that those humans are doing well in their life and business. So many of the people listening right now might work with agencies and they're completely, it's out of their hands any wisdom as far as working with agencies? Because obviously some of the people in those agencies, they may not be as attuned or quick to alter the message. So do you have any wisdom if there's a consultant or agency managing your ads, what you ought to do if you have this concern for your business? The logical first thing to do is take accountability with what is happening with our ad spend. 
sometimes when you bring on a consultant or you bring on an agency, you just trust that they are doing everything in your best interest. But now more than ever is time to really dive in and make sure you're understanding what's happening with your resources, with your assets, like your marketing assets, with your dollars, with the brand image that it's projecting. I would just be that person that has a finger on the pulse more than ever, understanding what are we spending, who are we spending it on, Like, just go back to basics. Understand how your sales process is converting at every step of the way so that you have the data to make decisions. At the end of the day, like, the data is going to tell us what is working or what isn't working. And we've been talking a lot about the lower CPM, so the lower ad costs. But at the same time, It's five times cheaper in some scenarios to run Facebook ads, but I'm also not seeing the return on ad spend multiply by five times either. I'm actually seeing the return on ad spend about 1.5 times what it was before. Which is better, right? Or is it worse? It's better, but it's not five times better. So the correlation between how cheap the ads are versus how many more people are buying is quite different. Meaning, sure, if we're getting five more people or five times more eyeballs on it, but we're only getting, you know, 50% more people actually purchasing at the end of the day, that is alerting me to a larger conversion assumption that overall result rates across the board aren't multiplying at the same factor that the ads costs are coming down. Does that make sense? It totally does. A question I have related to this is, especially for those of us that have other people managing our ads, should we be extra sensitive to the comments that are on these ads now? Because, you know, if we're not, we're going to potentially have some you know, especially if our copy is not super refined, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but should we be a little more aware of what people are saying when they're commenting on our ads, given an uncertain time? I would say no. I mean, I've released an article about 16 months ago and the comments on that ad were just out of this world from being super supportive to entirely just trolly. And for me, going through all of those comments and interacting with that energy just brought me down in a funk. So during this time, I would actually recommend just deleting and blocking anyone who is just troublesome on your ad comments. Of course, engaging proactively with people who have real concerns and real questions, but people who are just being jerks, like you don't need that energy in your life right now. Delete, block, get rid of it. I hear you, but at the same time, I think a lot of people don't even look at the comments on their ads. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) You know, and that's the part where you could have a whole bunch of trollers on there saying negative things, which could be hurting your ads, I would imagine, right? Yeah. There's actually a, a wonderful side benefit of interacting with people on your ads. When you go back and start a conversation, and I always call this engagement looping. So when somebody leaves a meaningful comment or even a comment that is uncertain or has a question or they might be perturbed by something, 
I'll go and I'll respond in a way that creates multiple signals to the algorithm that this content is relevant. So their comment counts as one signal. And then my initial response, which is acknowledging their comment or answering their question is a second signal to the algorithm. I might then like or react to their comment, which is a third signal. And then I'm going to leave a second comment that asks an open-ended question to engage in meaningful dialogue. You can't necessarily do this with trolls just because it'll get out of hand way fast. But people who are actually curious and, and wanting to have a conversation, you then responding with an open-ended question is a fourth signal. And then if they come back and like your two comments, that's up to six. And then they leave an answer back, that's seven. And it can just go on and on. So it's engagement looping. But the reason that I love doing that is because that's going to show up to the friends and connection of that person in their timeline. It's saying, oh, this person is really engaging with this post over here, even though the post is an ad. And then you know, Aunt Sally, who also might be interested in your widget is going to see that. And so it's going to get organic impressions for free from that engagement. It's actually wild. Just to be clear, you leave a comment on my ad. I respond to your comment. That's my first comment. And then I do another comment asking you a question rather than combining them into one. Exactly. Sometimes I even go like, (laughs) I take it to the next level and I just leave it emojis as my second comment and then the open-ended comment as the third one. And all of those reactions, likes, comments, shares, reactions, all of those things are signals to the algorithm that it's relevant. And we've seen ads where about a third of it has been organic distribution. So we've paid for two thirds of the distribution, but that third is just because people are having such great conversations or even sometimes polarizing conversations as long as they don't get out of hand. And we're getting a lot of organic distribution too. Okay. This, this is awesome. Now, my next question is when we have an existing ad that has been running for a while, how should we change the ad if we realize it might not be sensitive to the current environment? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, this this one's a loaded one. The answer would be, if it's working, if your ROAS is, is where you want it to be, it makes it even harder because that ad is working for you versus an ad that you could just shut off and it's not really going to do much damage at the end of the day. And so the question has to be, how do I feel about it? Is it truly insensitive? If that's the answer, then there are times when you just go and you you toggle that button off and you turn that campaign off. That's just what you do. Okay. Real quick question. If you turn it back on, does it come right back where it was or is it not how that works? It's not how that works. So if Ooh. you do decide to turn it off like that, it is going to stop its current position in the auction, stop its current optimization. And so when you toggle it back on, it's going to then re-enter it with new factors. And there's so many factors that go into how ads perform. 
what season is it, what your ad copy and creative is, who you're targeting, what other advertisers are doing, what your optimization is. Like there's so many elements and every single time you set up a new ad, it is going to be re-entered into the auction. Actually, a, a fun little hack. If you do have an ad that historically performed and then later on, say, you duplicate it, it's the exact same ad copy, exact same ad creative. If on upon duplication, it doesn't enter into the auction and give you very similar results to the first time, sometimes I'll just turn that off, duplicate it again, and give it another chance to have a different start, right? And that can kick it back in and give you lead costs that were similar to the time before because sometimes it's just a fluke. So that's a, a hack there. But if you're going to tweak the ad creative, here's my recommendation. My recommendation is you duplicate the current ad, the one that's running and the one that's working. Make the copy and creative changes that you want to happen to that ad. And then start that new ad campaign and let it warm up and then turn off the ad campaign that was working. Unless it was that situation where I said before, where it's like, it's just not appropriate. It's entirely insensitive. And then you just make that gut call and turn it off. So you're saying intentionally let them overlap. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. So wait until that new one's working before the old one goes off. I actually say this to our members a lot of the time for our sales retargeting ads or our audience building ads. If you want to add in new copy, new creative layer it first, don't split test. So what I mean by that is add in the new copy and creative, see how it's performing versus the old one. And then if it is performing similarly, it doesn't have to perform the same. It doesn't have to perform better. But as long as it's in that range, then turn the other one off and you'll have less disruption to your ads. Because if you turn off one instantly, it might take another one about a day or two to warm up. So if, if that was something that's consistent and steady and stable in your business, all of a sudden you're going to have a break, right? Or maybe you have a five-day break because you didn't turn on that new ad creative for four days after you turned that other one off. So that's my recommendation. Layer them. What about just editing an ad? Is that just a no-no? I mean, does that completely like restart as if it's a brand new ad when you have to edit the copy? It does. And I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm just simply too lazy to go in and duplicate an ad. And I'm like, oh, it's only running for a few days. That's fine. We'll just edit it real quick and put it in. But every single time I've edited, I just find that it doesn't perform as well as it was before. And I'm I'm constantly testing things to make sure that I'm just not you know, talking out of my behind to make sure that all of this is still true. Right. And so I'm, I'm trying to mess things up with my ad spend to understand, oh, is there a different way to do this? And, and when I do edit something, it typically just kind of makes it wonky in terms of results. Do you have any feedback as far as like going through existing ads, especially a lot of people have a lot of ads running, right? Like you have any tips on 
how to modify an ad to be a little more relevant. I mean, assuming we're following your method where we're making a copy of it, have you found small little things that can be inserted into an ad that kind of send a signal that you understand the struggles people are going through? Or do you find you have to restart from scratch? Um, I don't think you have to restart from scratch. Like we've done a few minor tweaks. You don't necessarily need to call out the pandemic. You don't need to have like COVID-19 as your headline to be like, oh, I am so relevant with my ads these days. (laughs) It, It could just be a simple tweak to understand that things are changing or, uh, it, you might be going through a period of uncertainty whatever your brand messaging is, just stick to that. Like, don't try and mirror somebody else. Don't try and be like, take advantage of it and be like, oh, now is the time because the entire world is changing. Like, don't be overly dramatic about it. Just stick to your brand uh, messaging. And and the, the less obvious you can be, I feel like the better. Okay, let's talk about customer journey. Do you feel like the journey, quote unquote, has changed? Do we need to rethink even how our customers journey to becoming customers given everything that's going on? What are your thoughts on this? Well, that metric that I was saying before where the ROAS has actually only multiplied by 1.5, it shows me that people, sure, more people might be coming in to the top of your funnel or the start of your sales process. But if more people are coming in, why are we not seeing a higher return on that ad spend? And so that leads me to believe that people are being more cautious with their spending. Actually, even yesterday, I was... I clicked on an ad. I was going to buy this really cool vegan butcher box in BC, British Columbia, Canada. And I was like, oh, I know that on Shopify, sometimes if you enter in your name and email address and your shipping address, but you don't check out, sometimes they email you a 10% off coupon. (laughs) Right? So I was going to just transact then and there, but then I just took a minute and I thought about it and I was like, oh, there's an opportunity that maybe I'm actually going to save some money. So I I waited a day or two and there's no 10% off email and I'm still going to transact, but it took three times as long as it initially did when I saw that first ad in that first day. So if that's my reaction, if we're looking at the return on ad spend, if we're collectively seeing behavior change, then that's telling me that we have to prepare for people taking longer in our customer journey. And so the opportunity for us in this is to look at your sales process from start to finish and understand how it's truly working. In my company, we help course creators automate their Facebook ads. And so a course might be sold from a Facebook ad, which then has them clicking to a landing page to sign up for a five-day challenge, which then has them participating for five days, which then sends them to a sales page. And on the sales page, they'll have the opportunity to click to a checkout. And then on the checkout page is where they purchase. So those are multiple steps that people have to go through to become customers. My recommendation and the opportunity during this time is to look at the percentage of people making each and every one of those jumps 
How many people are opening your emails? How many people are clicking through to your sales page? How many people are clicking your ad to the landing page where they sign up for the five-day challenge? And how many people are converting to leads that are going to go through that five-day challenge? I would say go back to the basics and understand foundationally what is happening in your sales process. Because after seeing the behind the scenes of so many businesses, I can tell you that you have holes in your bucket somewhere in that sales process. You have holes where attention is coming in, but it is leaking out before it has the chance to become revenue for your business. So if you go back to those conversion rates and you understand what's happening, Maybe you have 50% of people who are leads hit your sales page, but of those 50%, only 10% of those are actually clicking to your checkout. That's a low conversion rate. Off the top of my head, 50%, let's say 10% of 50, that's a 5% conversion rate of people landing on your sales page. So every 100 people landing on your sales page, only five are clicking the checkout that tells me that the experience that they had in your conversion mechanism, your webinar, your discovery call, your free quote, whatever that initial thing is, the messaging from that to what your offer is, isn't landing. Because if people are really engaged all the way up to the sales process, but then they're not clicking to the checkout, that tells me, oh, there's something wrong with that offer. And now is the best time to just double down and focus on the things that might be broken in your sales process, those holes in your bucket. I want to ask you about, you know, if people are taking longer to make decisions because of uncertain future, maybe they're not sure they're going to have the finances that they were hoping to have or the money that they were hoping to have because things are uncertain or they're whatever. Do you think it makes sense to spend a little more effort on some objection handling ads that might get people to maybe accelerate the likelihood that they might want to make an investment? So especially if you're selling something that could help people maybe get an ROI on whatever they're selling. You understand what I'm asking? So like right now, for example, I'm selling a course, but by the time this comes out, my course will be over. It'll be closed. But the idea here is that the course itself will provide enormous value to the people that take the course so much that it will far exceed the investment that they make. So does it make sense for me to focus some more ads on some of those objections that might come up related to cost? Uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Absolutely. I mean, in our program, the strategy system in that close phase, that sales retargeting phase, my first recommendation is let's create some objection overcoming ads. No matter if there's a pandemic going on or it's just business as usual, people have hesitations. Hesitations are natural. The thing is, they're already going to be hesitant and thinking those things in their head. And so instead of pretending that they don't exist, all we would do is just have a dialogue, have a conversation about those objections to help people identify 
what it actually is. Because I actually, from a psychological standpoint, I don't necessarily think that money specifically is a hesitation. It is what the investment means to them. So it might not be valuable to them. They might not see the value in it, but that doesn't mean that cost is prohibitive to them. Or they might not believe that they can achieve the outcome that your course or your offer provides. And so they might not have self-belief, right? So I, I truly recommend that people start to understand what those are. Reach out to people who have purchased. Reach out to people who became leads and didn't purchase and have those conversations the best thing that I ever did in my business was when we first started putting together our program, I had 150 conversations with people on Facebook Messenger. That like human to human, belly to belly, voice text, regular messenger text. And I just really dove in to what was holding them back, what they were experiencing, why they didn't believe that they had success in the first place. And people just shared and they just told me everything. And then the answer was, so if this can help you solve that, would it be of value? And the answer is yes. So absolutely 100% really dive in past the surface level of, oh, I just can't afford it and take it from the viewpoint of why am I not seeing this as valuable or why don't I believe that the value will be possible for me? Are you finding that graphical ads versus video ads nowadays uh, is one performing better than the other in your opinion? Across the board, it really depends on industry. So my members actually hate it because my answer is always, it depends. Go test it. <laughs> so it depends on you. It depends on your business. It depends on what your audience is used to consuming from you. Let's say you're huge into Instagram stories, and then all of a sudden you switch context or you switch styles, and then you start showing up in their Facebook feed. And it's like, wait a minute, you're big on Insta stories. Why am I not seeing your ads as Insta stories or at least on Instagram? So it really depends on like what you're already doing. I say stick to what works for you, but then the only way to see what works is to test and iterate. And it's constantly changing. I wish there was a one formula fits all. It would have made it so much easier when we were running ads for clients to be like, Here's the platforms, here's the styles, here's the exact video formula that you need to follow. Instead, I just say test and then let the data, let your click-through rate, let your conversion rates, let your engagement rates tell the story of do people really enjoy interacting with that medium from our business or brand? Have you noticed that the desktop inventory has maybe opened up a little more now that people are stuck at home with their laptops instead of out with their phones. What's your thoughts on that? Mm, you know what? That's not a metric that I've looked at in the last little while, so I can't report on it conclusively. It's a good hypothesis. I'm going to have to get off this podcast and go check. Maybe we'll uh, follow it up in the comments on the blog. My guess is, I mean, it's true that generally that the mobile is more expensive than the desktop, right? isn't mm -hmm. it? So I would imagine there might be some inexpensive inventory because of all the people sitting at home with their laptops, which is maybe a better user experience for them than their phone if they happen to have their laptops out. Yeah. I would think that mobile 
is more prevalent when you're wandering around, but maybe people are using their mobile phones just 100% even when they're home. So that part, I don't really know. Yeah. And it also depends on industry. I mean, a lot of course creators work from home on their desktop computers all day. And so we actually see a fair bit of desktop traffic on both of our website and through our Facebook ads. So again, it's just one of those things that really depends. I would go look at what your CPMs and, and result rates are per those things, but I'm not necessarily a believer in splitting them up. Like I really like to let Facebook determine where the ad inventory is. I find my ad costs and my result rates are better when I don't think I'm smarter than the Facebook algorithm saying, oh, this is an ad campaign that targets desktop. And this is an ad campaign that targets mobile over here. Hmm. Interesting. Now, we're eventually going to kind of business is going to open back up, especially, you know, people are going to be able to eventually leave their homes and go back to the office or travel around freely. And there are some people listening right now who had their budgets cut by their, you know, either their clients in the case of an agency, right? Or yep. their boss in the case of a corporation. How do we ease back in when we've had everything shut down? I can't think of the what the quote is. There's a quote that's like, 50% of your advertising is well spent. The trouble is we don't know which 50% it is. Mm. <laughs> and so that's what it made me think of first. It really is going to go back to taking accountability. So if you have, if you're working with an agency, understanding where the money's being spent and then doing some due diligence to understand which is the most profitable ads that you have out there and then easing back in with those first. Because if you look at any ad account, the Pareto law or the Pareto principle is always at play. There's going to be 20% of your ads that bring in 80% of your revenue. So really just focusing on what those are, which ones historically have worked in the past, and then slowly ramping up your ad spend to make sure you're seeing the return on ad spend, like making sure that the result rates are there. I have a quick little tip if you are going to ramp up that ad spend. So start a little bit more conservative and then get a little bit more aggressive with that spend. I always like to duplicate my ad campaigns instead of adding that 20% ad budget to them. They say, oh, you can add about 20% budget, 20 to 25. There's different schools of thought there. Every 24 hours to 48 hours. Every single time I've done that, it always resets it. And I find I don't get as favorable results. So my recommendation is if you start, let's say you have an ad set that's running for $10 a day, I would start it at $10 a day. And then if I want to ramp it up to 20, I'm just going to duplicate and have those two ad sets running at the same time or duplicate it till 20 let the other one start to perform and then shut that $10 one off. And so mm. I'm always layering them one on top of each other because it's a fallacy for you to be competing with your own self in the auction. I mean, I've had, I can't even count how many on one hand ad sets running to the exact same audience with the exact same creative because I find that once your ad spend budget, like if you if you're spending a thousand dollars per ad set, I find that they actually 
cost more, like your results cost more, your leads cost more at $1,000 per ad set versus staying at $100 per ad set and then just duplicating it 10 times. Fascinating. Yeah. So many times that I've done that and then all of a sudden our lead costs triple and it's like, no, 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 just because I have a $1,000 budget doesn't mean I wanted you to triple that lead cost. And so my interpretation of that is that with that budget, you're bidding on more premium type of placements. Like you're getting priority at that budget, but that priority is costing you more. And so that's why I always say, if you stick to the lower amount, just duplicating it over and over, we see those lead costs lower. Bon, this has been really, really, really helpful. If people want to follow you, track you, where do you want to send them? You can come on over to our website. You can find me at theadstrategist.com forward slash SME. Awesome. Theadstrategist.com slash SME. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Hey, I hope you found a lot of value in today's interview. If there was anything that you missed, we took all the notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 405. And hey, if you're new to this show, would you hit the subscribe button? And if you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about the podcast? This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your fast talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.